I uh, have not given proper credit each week uh, as we've been in this, this series, Conversations on the Front Porch, uh, to Jenny Godfrey, John's wife, Jenny, who makes my drinks every week here. And I haven't had one in the first service, so I need to sample. Let's see. Ooh, that's good. And it's just punch for those of you that have asked. Because if it, I know, I'm not even going to know, I'm not even going to, I've sensor, yeah, exactly, sensor right there. Man went to his pastor one day, kind of lamenting, kind of down. He said, I'm over 300 pounds. I can't get a date. I've had no luck losing weight. I've tried and tried, and I've just had no luck. This pastor looked at him and said, you know what? I think I can help. Tomorrow morning at 8 a.m., you be dressed and ready. So he was. The next morning at 8 a.m., there was a knock at the door. He opened the door, and there standing before him was a beautiful woman in her workout clothes. She said to him, I just want you to know, if you can catch me, you can have me. <laughs> and off she went. Huffing and puffing, he took off after her. This went on every day for five months, in which, during which time the man lost 115 pounds. And he was confident. He was confident that the next day, he was going to catch that beautiful young lady. That morning, again, as there had been for five months, there was a knock at the door. Only this time when he opened, there was a different woman, this one much, much heavier, also in her workout clothes. And she looked at him and said, the pastor sent me. He said, if I can catch you, I can have you. We need people in our life, in more serious ways, that know how to, to push us, that know how to, to motivate us, that know how to propel us out of lives of um, complacency, laziness, um, lethargy, that, that know how to, to get us moving. We need sometimes in that chair... As we've talked about people who hold us accountable, we've talked about true friends, we need people that push us. Leonard Sweet in the book says, actually, he's a little more harsher. He says we need people that give us a kick in the butt. Um, and, and we do. All of us from time to time need those kind of people. And we call those kind of people, at least in this sermon series, we call them Jethro's. Now, Who's Jethro, if you don't know? Jethro doesn't get mentioned a lot in the Scriptures, just in a few places. But to find our Jethro, or to find the Jethro, we turn to the story of Moses. And specifically the time in Moses' journey when he is in the, the wilderness, in the, in the desert, the first time, not with the Israelites, not with the Hebrew children, but... Um, when he's a fugitive, if, if you remember the story, let me, let me set it up. And if you don't, here's the quick overview. Moses, remember the Hebrew child who's 
mother and, and sister sent him down the river in the basket of reeds to protect him when the Hebrew, the Hebrew man, men or Hebrew uh, male babies were being slaughtered, uh, who was found by Pharaoh's daughter, who was raised in the, the house of, of Pharaoh, who, when he comes to adulthood, one day sees an Egyptian master beating a slave. And in his anger, he kills that Egyptian and buries him. Because of that, and because word gets out of that, he fears for his life. And he flees into the desert to, to save his life. He flees to Midian, where he encounters the daughters of the Midian priest. And he is chivalrous in helping them out. And, and the story unfolds that he is welcomed into the household. He marries the oldest daughter, Zipporah. And for 40 years, he becomes a, a tender of the flock. He keeps the sheep there in, in the desert. He creates a new life, uh, a, a different kind of life, but a stable, from all we can tell, a pretty steady and, and comfortable life by the standards of the day. And it's this existence, it's this older Moses that famously is encountered by God in the burning bush. And we're going to pick up the story at the end of that burning bush experience. And, and I forgot to mention the father-in-law's name, the household he was welcomed into, was Jethro. And so if you remember when, when Moses has his, his conversation with God at the burning bush, when God tells Moses, what he wants Moses to do. Moses tries everything he can to get out of it. Moses does not want to do it. It's, it's not a, a call he embraces. And so we're going to pick up in Moses chapter 4, verse 10, at the end of that conversation with God. And this is what we read. It says, Moses said to the Lord, Pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. Now, now keep in mind, Moses is trying, he's, he's finding excuses. This is why I can't do this. I don't speak well. You can't send me to Pharaoh. I don't, I don't communicate very effectively. The Lord said to him, verse 11, Who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? It is, is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. But Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses and he said, what about your brother Aaron, the Levite? I know he can speak well. He is already on his way to meet you and he will be glad to see you. You shall speak to him and, and put words in his mouth. I will help both of you speak and teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you. And it will be as if you were, he were your mouth and as if you were God to him. But take this staff in your hand so that you can perform the signs with it. And then with verse 17, the conversation before God and Moses, or between God and Moses ends. But it goes on in our key verse, verse 18. Then Moses went back. To his, to his father-in-law Jethro and said to him, let me return to my own people in Egypt and see if any of them are still alive. Jethro said, go, and I wish you well. 
Brothers and sisters, this is the Word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. Gracious Lord, give us understanding, give us wisdom, give us open and willing hearts to hear your Word today and to continue to be shaped in the way of Christ our Lord. For it is in His name we pray. Amen. Go. That's what Jethro says to Moses. Or, really, most of the translations that, that we use, many of the common translations, I read almost every week from the, the NIV, New International Version, but if you have a different version in your hand, you probably read the words, go in peace. That's more common, what is, what is translated, go in peace. Now that, in and of itself, doesn't seem, at least to me it didn't, seem terribly significant. But, but I started to kind of think through this larger picture of what has happened between God and Moses. And, and now this seemingly insignificant conversation that Moses has with Jethro. Because as I pointed out, and as we leave the conversation with God, it, it's not really settled. Moses is continually trying to get out of the call. And, and nowhere, interestingly, in there do we have Moses finally accepting it. At least we don't have him saying it. We, we don't have a, okay, I'll do it. Whatever, whatever you do. We, we don't have that kind of affirmation of faith in, in the moment. Now, we know it's, it happens because Moses eventually goes to Egypt and does what God had asked him to do. But, but, but we don't know when in the process Moses finally accepted this call. And I think that's why the conversation with Jethro is so important because he comes to his father-in-law and he says, I need to go to Egypt. Now, I wonder if what Moses was hoping for was Jethro to try to talk him out of it. Jethro to try to give him a reason why going wasn't a good idea. Why it would be foolish to go back to Egypt where you were once a wanted man. Why I need you here. You're, you, you tend the flock. You're a valuable um, part of the family. I need you to stay. Your wife and your kids are here. That he was hoping that Jethro would, would give him all these reasons to stay and not to embrace this call. And Jethro says, go in peace. Go in peace. Now, what Jethro is really doing is giving him the last kick out of the tent. He's pushing him out. He's saying, go. Go into this thing that God has called you. And you think, well, gosh, you're sure reading a lot into that. Okay, let's unpack it for a moment. There are two Hebrew words that are commonly translated go in peace. The first Hebrew word, which is on the screen in front of you, is lech l'shalom. That means go to peace. The second word that is commonly translated is lech b'shalom, which means go in peace. Now, that's very, very subtle differences, but they're very, very significant. See, Lech shalom would be the word that we would assume would be what Jethro said to Moses. Because that means go into rest, 
go into tranquility, go into um, a, a, a life of complete joy. But the interesting thing is, lech shalom is the word that you'd speak at somebody's death. It's very similar to our rest in peace. It's the words that you would speak to somebody when they are preparing or making their final journey into God's kingdom, when they will come into that place of complete rest, complete peace, complete perfection. Lech lishalom, which means go to peace, does not mean that you're going into an existence of comfort. It doesn't mean pass into an existence of, of, of calm and, and leisure. What it means is step into your destiny. What it means is step into your call. What it means is engage the world and in your engagement, in your active serving of God, in that, find peace. Jethro says to, to Moses, Lech le shalom, which means go seize your moment. Go find peace in doing what you have been called, in doing what you have been created, in doing what you have been impassioned to do. It does not mean step out into a simple, tranquil, lazy, comfortable life. It means engage the world. And in that, may God grant you peace. In your faithfulness, may you find peace. That is a significant difference. Because very often we assume peace, we think peace, we think calm, serene, easy, comfortable. And that's not shalom. Not in faithful service. Very often it means to get busy, to get doing what you've called to do, to begin living as God's called you to live. It's, it's Jethro making that final step to push Moses out into the faithful obedience to what God's called him to do. We need people in our life that push us out of our comfortable places. Those are our Jethros. And they come in a variety of different ways. I, I was, you know, as I do, kind of wrestling with this this week. And, and I was thinking, and I was remembering, the summer of my, after my sophomore year of high school, the summer before my junior year of high school, I had a friend who lived down the street by the name of Richard Vasilla. Richard and I had been friends since middle school, but we went to rival high schools. Uh, Richard was a soccer player, uh, and, he, and he ran cross-country, and I was a football player and a baseball player. But for whatever reason, that summer, Richard decided that not only was he going to train, but I was going to train with him. Richard decided that. I don't remember Chris deciding that. And what I got accustomed to throughout the summer was the sound on the front door. That meant whatever comfortable moment I was having, whatever lazy moment I was experiencing was about to come to an end. Because more often than not, it was Richard at the door. 
And what that meant was, lace him up, we're running four miles. And all summer long, he dragged me out to run. All summer long, he wouldn't let me just have a lazy summer. And we'd usually finish the, the four-mile runoff. We'd run down to the local elementary school back, and then we would jump into the canals because we lived up in Hudson, and we had canals, and we'd just jump right in. It was actually kind of a nice way to cool off. But Richard, in that situation, became a Jethro for me. And the interesting thing is I went back to school my junior year in the best shape of my life. I mean, I'm not kidding. We had done, we had done physical um, drills and, and testing, if you will, timed um, runs and, and st- things before the end of the summer or before the, before the start of the summer. And then the coaches at the beginning of the season did them again to see how many of us have been sitting on our butts all summer long. And I knocked it out of the park. That's because I had somebody who pushed me out of the house, who pushed me. Now, now that's physical, and that's not the, the deepest embodiment of, of living out our call, but, but you get the point, which is Jethro's are the people that push us, and, and, and in far more significant ways, push us spiritually. They'll push us physically. They'll push us emotionally. To, to live into the faithful, to live into our faithfulness, to live into our call. Because there's some truths about a Jethro. One, a, a Jethro is crazy about you. Understand, the Jethros in your life care deeply about you. They believe in you. And because they believe in you, they are not willing to let you give up on your dreams. They're not willing to let you live Comfortably, if living comfortably means living safe and, and, and stopping our natural tendency to dream big. And I think that's what happens to us sometimes as we get older. We, we stop dreaming. We stop believing what we're capable of doing. I sit on the District Board of Ordained Ministry, which means a few times a year I get together with some other pastors and lay leaders, and we interview candidates for ministry. We interview men and women that feel God's call upon their life. And it's a, it's a tough task because our job is to help be part of the discerning process as to whether or not this is where God is leading and, this, and, they, and these people have the gifts for this ministry. We have a, a young man that has come through the board, is almost a seminary graduate. He's in his late 20s, and he is on fire for Jesus in the church. I mean, we read his paperwork. We interview him. He dreams big. He's idealistic. You know, he believes in all the best about the church and God's call upon the church and our mission in the world. And he believes that the church can make a difference and can change things. And so we interviewed this guy. And when they're done interviewing, they'll step out and the board will we'll have a con- we'll talk about him. And I'll never, ever forget another person on the board when we had finished interviewing Bob. That's a made-up name. His name's not Bob, but... We inter- finished interviewing him, said, I don't like him. He didn't say it that way. But he said, I don't, I don't like what we heard. 
he's too idealistic. He is too confident. And, and, and I can remember sitting there thinking, weren't we all? And, and, and I can remember thinking, I'm not sure that says more about him or it says more about us. That we've lost our idealism. We've lost our confidence. We've lost the ability to dream big. They were bothered because, well, you know, he doesn't have a grasp of what it's really like in the church. No, he doesn't. That's a good thing. He'll learn, but don't knock off the dream. Don't, don't knock him because he's still at a stage in his life when he thinks anything's possible. Because I think Jesus said that. And I thought, we need, and I need in my life, because see, this is what bothered me. I remember being that kid. I remember being the 27-year-old sitting in front of the board that believed great things were possible, that believed God could do anything through me. I remember all those same kind of dreams he had, and I can remember feeling convicted. I need to capture those dreams again. Jethro's help us capture those dreams Jethro's help us to live into it, and don't let us get... See, what happens is, as we get older, for me, and I don't think it's just for me, we get more comfortable, and there's more to lose. When I was 27 years old, uh, you know, Tony and I were, 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 you know, been married a few years, and I think Ryan had come along. No, when I was sitting before, the, Ryan hadn't even come along yet. So, so there wasn't even a whole lot to lose. We didn't have anything anyway. But as we get older and we have more, and we achieve more, there's more at risk. There's more to lose. We become like Moses. See, Moses had a comfortable life. And, and he had property, and he had possessions, and he had a family, and he had a lot to lose. And he didn't want to embrace that call. And Jethro pushed him into it. Jethro wouldn't let him sit back in that comfort. We need those kind of Jethros who are crazy about us, who push us into dreaming big and living big and seizing the moments that, that push us into engagement in the world and making a difference. See, that's what we're called to do. You are not called to comfort. You're called to faithfulness. Uh, go back and, and, and read the Gospels again if you haven't. Read Matthew and Mark and Luke and John and show me where the call of Christ is about you being comfortable. And about you being safe and you being well taken care of. No, 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 no. Hear me clearly. The call of Christ is about you seizing the opportunities God gives you to serve. The call of Christ is about you engaging the world in the mission and ministry of Jesus. The call of Christ is all about taking risks. You cannot follow a Savior who died on a cross and say, we're not called to take risks. You can't do it. Jethro's don't let us do it. They push us into faithfulness. You and I need Jethro's in our lives because that's what Christ has breathed into us. And peace is not come, does not come in this world because we play it safe and we're complacent. Peace comes through engagement and faithfulness. That's the peace of Christ. In John chapter 20, if, if you remember, and if you're familiar with the Genesis accounts of creation, it, it says that the Spirit of God, it's the Ruah, the Ruah, I love that word, moved across the face of the earth, and creation came through the Ruah. And when God made man and woman in his image, he breathed into them. 
life into them. In John chapter 20, at the resurrection of Jesus, verse 19, hear this. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw him. Peace be with you. Oh, by the way, look what faithfulness cost. Okay, that's my, look, look, this is me. Okay, my peace be with you. Jesus again said to them, verse 21, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Now here's the key, verse 22. And with that, he breathed on them. Now I want you to hear that. He breathed on them as in Genesis, God's breath brought life. So in John 20, at the resurrection of Jesus, the breath of Jesus brought life, called them to peace. But he says, receive the Holy Spirit. And if you forgive sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. He calls his disciples not to a peace that says, now go live comfortably. Job well done. You've earned it. Go, go retire. Go rest. Go take care of yourself. No, 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 no. He calls them into engagement. He says, let the peace, let my breath fill you with the power to engage the world in service and in ministry. He pushed them out the door. He was a Jethro. You and I need Jethros. And people who aren't going to let us take it easy, who aren't going to let us sit back, who aren't going to let us chill, they're going to push us to engage our gifts. Usually they're people that are older than us. But, but here's the thing, not always. You, you, you're called to be a Jethro too. You're not just called. Sometimes your Jethro is going to call you to be a Jethro for someone else, to give them a little bit of a kick in the pants with love. Okay, not to wound, not to hurt, but to build up, but to push them. I need that in my life. And there are Jethro's in this congregation. I'm not going to name them, but they're here that have been Jethro's for me because I, I need it too, more than I care to admit. But I know I'm not alone. You need to find a Jethro. You need one in your life. You need to be one for someone else because they help us to receive, to know we've received that breath of Jesus that breathes life into us and calls us into ministry. There's a, a Quaker saying that says, God will provide a way. It's a statement of faith. God will provide a way. Sometimes Jethro's kind of push out the door so that you can take that first step in trusting that God's making a way. Trust. Know God has work for you, ministry for you, and in that you find the lech le shalom, the peace of God. Go to peace. And I pray that you have a Jethro in your journey that helps you get there. Let us pray. Gracious, loving, and empowering God. Lord, it's, it's easy to become complacent. It's easy to become comfortable. Lord, that day will come when we experience the lech be shalom, when we go in peace into your eternal glory. But that day is not yet. We're here because you have work for us to do. And in that, we find the peace of Christ. Lord, 
that we would be about that work and that we'd have Jethro's in our journey to help us, to push us, to, to move us along in faithfulness. That we have that and that we'd be that to the glory of Christ our Lord. Amen.